1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. His name is Charlie Dyer, and he has served as provost and dean of education at Moody Bible Institute before becoming professor at large at Moody Bible Institute. And he's, of course, the host of The Land of the Book, heard Saturday mornings right here, 9 a.m. Eastern on 88.9. And Charlie's an Old Testament scholar and authority on Middle Eastern history and geography. He's traveled extensively throughout the Middle East since I think he was 18 months old, and he has led more than 80 (laughs) trips. He's an author, a scholar, and a good friend. Charlie, it's great to have you back with us on Mornings with Tom and Toby. Hey, Tom, Toby, thank you. It's great being with you. Well, it's great having you. And, uh, you know, Wayne Stiles said of you that he knows of no better guide to the Holy Land than you because of your many decades of leading thousands of pilgrims to Israel combined with your wit, wisdom, and winsome way to produce even a virtual tour so descriptive that you'll feel like you're on the bus touring the Holy Land (laughs) even when you're not. So, But you've led groups to Israel for 40 years. What are some of the changes that you've seen during that time? Oh, man. You talk, oh, on the positive side, tourism has grown. It's matured. Uh, I can tell you horror stories of what it was like in those early trips with students uh, when you were trying to find even a restroom or trying to find something to eat. Uh, but the roads are better. The sites are more accessible. Now, on the negative side, though, I, I, it's, it's interesting. It's gotten a lot more crowded. Uh, back then, uh, there were maybe a half a million to a million tourists. There are now over four million tourists a year. Hmm. Traffic has increased dramatically. It's, it's difficult to schedule trips. We used to be able to jog around the old city of Jerusalem uh, in the morning with students. I, I'm not sure I could ever jog it to get these days, uh, but if I did, I'd be afraid of being run over by all the traffic and cars that are there. So uh, it's gotten more crowded, but it's still a fun place to go, and it's amazing what you can see and do. Oh, that's wonderful. You're hearing the voice of Charlie Dyer. And one of the reasons we're chatting about him is he's got a new book out. It's called Experiencing the Land of the Book, A Life-Changing Journey Through Israel. And before we get into the book, I just wanted to ask about traveling to Israel in the Middle East. So what's been your experience in terms of safety and security for those who go? Uh, You know, I tell people, there's some danger in traveling to Israel, but once you make it to the nearest airport in your hometown, most of the danger is over. It's actually the, the most dangerous part of the trip is getting on those highways to get to the airport. Uh, they just, in fact, just a few weeks ago, they came out with a survey of the 50 countries where, where tourists travel. They rated them in terms of safety. Uh, Israel was number five on the list. It was the fifth safe, safest country to travel to. By way of comparison, Canada was like number 21, and the U.S. was number 30. Wow. So uh, it's actually far more dangerous for someone coming here than for anyone traveling to Israel, though. 
you know, it, it doesn't look that way when you watch the evening news, but uh, I've never had a problem. It's amazing how safe it is. Oh, that's good to know. And that kind of, uh, I guess, uh, crosses out some stereotypes about the Middle East. So that's wonderful. Now, the book takes people on a tour of the sites visited by tourists. But along the way, you also share humorous experiences from past trips, including, as you put it, the baptism of a lady in purple underwear. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I try to tell this book what I do. It's actually a reproduction of what we do on a trip, and we get to this baptismal site, which is wonderful. But uh, people need to bring along a bathing suit or shorts and t-shirt, and so I, I tell them to do that. And I tell a story that actually happened to us very early on. A lady forgot to bring her, ba- her bathing suit or her, forgot to bring anything else to put under. She thought, ah, he's just making that up. So she got baptized, and she was a little older, a little heavy set. And as she came out of the water, this uh, thin cotton became absolutely translucent, and everybody on shore could say, she's in her purple underwear. And then it got worse because the fellow baptizing was a little older, and, and the current started taking her out of his grasp, and she began floating downstream. So you have this uh, uh, lady in purple underwear just kind of working her way down the Jordan River. with uh, They're trying to come back to her to catch her. And... Uh, uh, it, it became a memorable experience and uh, has been shared with all my other trips since then because uh, no one since then has ever forgotten to bring their, their bathing suit or shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So what was your memory of the Holy Land? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> wow. I didn't expect that from you. <laughs> all right. Let's just bring this back on course just a little bit here, Charlie. Of all the places that you write about, what is your absolute favorite and why? Well, my favorite is the Judean wilderness, which people think that's crazy. You know, wouldn't it be Sea of Galilee or Jerusalem? But but the wilderness in the Bible is always a place of testing. It's always where God shows that He can meet our needs, and it changes during the year. When we think of wilderness, you know, people in the Pacific Northwest think of uh, a forested uh, Cascade region, and uh, you know, others may think of the Sahara Desert. But it's it's truly unique. It's not like any of those. Uh, in the winter, it turns greenish grass. It's where the flocks and herds are out there with the shepherds. And uh, on my very first trip, I spent a day walking the wilderness, and and uh, it became absolutely memorable. Actually, my 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 uh, shoes I was wearing almost got worn out from the rock that tore up the bottom of them, and I ran out of water on the trip. I, suddenly, all these things I used to say about the terrible Israelites, uh, and I realized I was complaining, and I'd only been out there four hours. Uh, it, it just it, re- it revolutionized me, recognizing what the wilderness was. It was a place we all get tempted in, and it's a place where God always showed that he was sufficient. It's great to have you here because we're speaking with our good friend Charlie Dyer. He's the host of The Land and the Book, talking about his latest book called Experiencing the Land of the Book. It's a life-changing journey through Israel. Charlie, good to have you with us on Mornings with Tom and Toby. Oh, it's great being there. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. And one of the things you do so well is that you kind of help personalize the sites that uh, we can be visiting in in Israel through this book with some real-life people that you have encountered. So tell us about the Oxford Shirt Shepherd and Donkey Man. Well, the Oxford Shirt Shepherd uh, was with my co-host, John Geiger. Uh, We were were actually doing some uh, taping for some Moody Christmas specials. And we'd contacted a, a, a store owner in Bethlehem, a friend, and said, hey, could, is there any way you could get one of your shepherd friends that we could go out and just spend some time with the sheep? And he said, sure, sure, sure. Well, he forgot. We got there, and uh, you know, he's now embarrassed, but he, he gets on the phone, and he says, okay, I got it arranged. So he gets, takes his driver. We get in the car, drive out in the middle of nowhere outside Bethlehem, and here comes this guy in a traditional Arab garment over the hill with his sheep and his goats. 
and uh, you know, it was just perfect. We could, we could. Uh, he he didn't seem to speak English, but uh, we could talk with him and or try to. And, and of course, we got the the sheep and the goats were just perfect. We got all done, and we're over to going to thank him. And we noticed just underneath this traditional Arab garment, he's wearing a, a very stylish light blue Oxford button down shirt. And so as we're walking back to the thing, we're going. So was that a real shepherd, or you know, did he call his friend Joe down the street and say, "Hey, I got these guys. Look, go over and grab these sheep and come on out. They'll never know the difference." Uh, uh, the, the other one, though, is Donkey Man. He's he's on the Mount of Olives. Uh, he's he's like a character right out of Disney. Uh, this guy shows up in a you know, traditional Arab garment, white mustache. He has a white uh, donkey with him, and of course, he knows how to play up the crowd and get with them, and they get their picture taken. Of course, you're paying a dollar to get your picture taken, but he's just great. Speaking with our good friend, Charlie Dyer. And Charlie, you've been sharing with us some of the real-life people that you kind of got in contact with, the Oxford Shirt Shepherd and Donkey Man. But what I wanted to ask you about is some of the locations of biblical events, are they're debated, and like the site of the Upper Room or Jesus' crucifixion and burial. So how do you actually deal with the uncertainty of that during your tours, and then how do you handle it in your book, Experiencing the Land of the Book? Well, on the tours, and I do it the same way in the book, is I, I try and be honest. The academic part of me says, you know, if, if there are different debates, let's, let's share what the two sides are. I'll, I'll share why I think one site might be better than the other. But I want people to know that there are alternatives. We don't know everything. We know an awful lot of where events happened in the Holy Land, but we don't know them all. So I'll try and share that. But the other thing I found is it helps when you, you use humor. Uh, you know, at, at times, uh, rather than getting somebody stressed out, is this the real upper room or not? Uh, we'll we'll talk about you know what what the possibilities are like the two upper rooms. One of them it's it's a true miracle because it's over the tomb of David, and it's the room is a crusader building. I said if Jesus had his upper uh, room, his final upper last supper here, uh, that is real a miracle because uh, I can't imagine him having his last supper over the tomb of David and and uh, in a crusader building. But the alternative to it is um, it, it looks nice except uh, you have to go downstairs to get to the upper room. Hmm. And so you, know, you just kind of share a little bit of humor and say to people, look, is this the actual spot? Probably not, but, but it's the right part of town. So you can use this as an illustration, and that, and that sets their minds at ease. But it's amazing how few times you have to do that. Um, most places you can get pretty accurate and say, we're plus or minus a few feet or a few hundred feet of where this event actually took place. Okay, so that's good to know, because, yeah, there are some sites that are debated and some that we know specifically. And in your book, you include a lot of different maps and things like that. So tell us about that. Did, did you draw them yourself, or where did you procure this from? Uh, well, the Google Images uh, Google uh-huh. is a great place to get the uh, the satellite images, and then I put the, the places on it. Because, again, when typical tour, people get off a bus, take a picture, jump back on the bus, and by about day three, they have no idea where they are. And so I, I actually pass a map around on the bus so that people know where we are, where we're going, uh, to help them put things into a context. Then we mm. thought, well, we ought to do that in the book as well. And then all the color photos, those 250 color photos, uh, you know, it's a sightseeing trip. And, and uh, to try and write about it but not include visuals, I thought was just crazy. So Moody graciously let me just pack this thing full of pictures so that people could kind of visualize as much as they can what it actually looks like when they get to those sites. 
Wow. wow. We're it's taking a, a look at it. Yeah. Right now, just some of the pictures are just breathtaking, Charlie. So thank you so much for including so many pictures in this book. But let me close out with our final time here together. Um, you have been to Israel so many times. And say somebody's listening to us right now, Charlie. Um, why would you suggest to them that they actually travel to Israel? Uh, I, I'll give you the answer I gave to my students when I taught in Bible college and seminary for years. Uh, I say, if, if you want to know the Word of God, uh, you need to know the land of God, because uh, God wrote his book uh, with that land in mind. And uh, it's, it's the, in fact, what I say to him is, it's the will of God for you to go to Israel. And I meant it because uh, if they want to understand the scriptures, putting it into a context makes it come to life. I, I was teaching the Bible at seminary before I ever went the first time. I came back and felt like I'd never even read those books that I'd been teaching students, because we skip people names and place names because they don't mean anything until we go. And suddenly we have that imagery that jumps off the page as we're reading the Bible, and it makes all the difference in the world.